Attention, this is a matter of national security. After a meteorite crashed into the New Jersey Turnpike, the following digital audio transmission from the You Watch I Listen podcast was intercepted by NASA scientists in the year 2019. The You Watch I Listen podcast is about to start. Sit down, listen close, and try not to die. The You Watch I Listen podcast starts now. For a bomb threat. Oh, fuck yeah. A couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. Nice. What did he do wrong? He's being Charles Manson all weird. In the middle of it, he cuts her off and goes, Oh, fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, take it out, take it Dude, out. Dude, now I see why people follow Charles Manson. He was very straightforward. Yeah, he had the right ideas. It's time for the You Watch I Listen podcast, and always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Hey. Hey. I think we're live now. Hey, hey guys. Uh, so uh, this is episode uh, whatever. What is it, Josh? You've been what, uh, 104, I think. Uh, 104. I'm looking right now, too. Good intro, so, yeah, we look. We lose track. 104. It's it's 10 something. It's 10 something or another. It's 104 of uh, you watch. I listen. Uh, hopefully by next week we will be back in the studio. Um, it's going to depend on when they finish my goddamn well. Um, my backyard's a disaster right now, so I'll have a fun little project coming up in the next couple weeks to redo that. Um, but anyway, yeah, here we are. Uh, we're home. It's disgusting outside New Jersey right now. Uh, Taylor, how was your week? Uh, very run of the mill week. Um, the first time in a while it's felt normal again. Um, so I know people feel some type of way about it, but, uh, depending on how the customer feels when I have to go into their home, I will have my, I have a bandana cause of this fucking stupid beard. So I keep the bandana on and I keep it over my mouth and my nose. Then when I'm, when I'm in the house, I pull it down a little bit so I could fucking breathe. And then the customer will come down and say, yeah, that's fine. You know, like, a lot of people are a lot. Uh, they like they feel better about it, which is helping bring back the normal a little bit, and that's pretty much been the essence of my week. It's getting back to normal. Yeah, I feel like um, I wouldn't give a shit in a, a situation like that. I would be like, whatever. If I'm in like the store or whatever, I don't know what dirty ass people you are. Like, I don't that's need to different. breathe. Yes. Yeah, like that case, like you're an asshole if you're going to put up a fight about not wearing a mask when you're going to the fucking supermarket. Just to, for what reason? Like just yeah. to make make other people make the make the employees feel comfortable, make other customers feel comfortable, whatever. Well, of course. And the same thing goes, you know, I, I'll bring it down a little bit so I could breathe at least through my nose. 
And then, you know, if the customer's cool with it, I'll bring it all the way down. If not, again, it's just a respect thing. It's just easier that way. Absolutely. Um, Josh, how about you? How was your week? Uh, pretty good. Pretty solid. Uh, you know, making a lot of moves in my video games. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> Let's um, hear it. Moves. Uh, well, I finished uh, I finished Assassin's Creed 4 and I moved on to Unity. Uh, I always take the Unity. longest time with 4. <laughs> I always take the longest time for, with 4 because I like the pirate stuff, so I like to upgrade the ship all the way and then go after the legendary <laughs> ships. Butt yeah, pirate I think, stuff. I, I, I think yeah. you did that. I, I tried to. We had a competition. You can get farther, and you beat yeah. me again twice. You lapped me like four fucking times. It's like playing Mario Kart 64 with a blind kid. <laughs> Just keep lapping him. <laughs> Okay. That wasn't even meant to be an insult to you. you just said laughed, and the first thing I think of is no. when I would play Mario Kart 64 with someone that was really bad at it, you took pride in lapping them. Oh, yeah. It was the best part. Especially <laughs> if you did the beer thing where it's like you can't start driving unless you put Dude, your beer down. That, was, that, yeah. is, that is a lot harder than you think it is. No, it really is. Ralph and I tried it one day. Uh, Josh, you may have been there too. I don't remember, but it was a lot harder than I thought it would be. I was like, all right. Like, you see, with Ralph, he can chug like a fucking idiot. Uh, like, he's still in a frat. And I'm like, I could chug, but not like that asshole does. I mean, this asshole's swallowing zebra cakes whole. Uh, <laughs> fucking gas station fucking hard boiled eggs and shit. That, that was the worst because he didn't swallow it. Then he spit it out and I didn't know where it went. And I went to mow the lawn that weekend and I'm mowing it and then just egg goes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I screen capped that test. It's one of the funniest <sighs> things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. My week was pretty, uh, run of the mill. Uh, can't really complain. Uh, we had, a uh, uh, was it, uh, 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 ears and uh, tree man come over. Uh, tree man. It was night. It was Memorial Day weekend, so naturally, I I think my hot dog count was thirteen. Um, I had six cheeseburgers, uh, so I was uh, you know felt very patriotic, remembering uh, all those that made the sacrifice, and all of us are too cowardly to do. Um, so thank you to our fallen soldiers. Uh, I celebrated you with hot dogs and processed meat. <laughs> <laughs> You can't get any more American than that, dude. If I ever go to the tomb of the fallen soldier, I'm going to bring, like, a hot plate and just make hot dogs <laughs> right there. I would, I would pay money to see you get screamed at by, that, by those fucking guards, go, dude. Go to, go to the Eternal Flame where JFK is and just grill a hot dog on there. Just put it to flame. Put, a, put, it, on a, put it on a stick like you're fucking camping. Make s'mores. <laughs> So you're gonna ask not what your country can do for you, but how many hot dogs can you eat for your country? (laughs) Josh, you're way too good at that, dude. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Um. So you're gonna get mad at me. Uh. My my dog count was zero. Mm, That sucks. Why is that? Now here's it's not entirely my fault. Now this is my favorite part of the show where we rip on claws. Um, <laughs> Does he I hate hot old, dogs now? Did he write a letter no, to hot dogs no. about the, why they should change? I'm very surprised. That ha- I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure it's in the pipeline somewhere. He's writing a letter to hot dogs. <laughs> right? Yeah, just two dear hot dogs. It's like Kobe's dear basketball. He, dear hot he just dogs. he just writes a letter to someone named Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, fucking. Uh, so Quaz was grill master on Saturday afternoon and uh, or Sunday afternoon, and we had no control over what we were gonna. You know what was being prepared. Uh, Quaz had a finite amount of burgers, chicken legs, uh, and then he had hot dogs at the very end. And everyone was way too drunk, uh, took way too many vitamins, and ate too many kebabs in order to get the hot dogs out. I'm like, motherfucker, why'd you? Why'd I even come here then? 
Why? Yeah. What's the point? What's, what's an American holiday without hot dogs? Yeah, dude. He, yo, I, I saw the mustache in person. He yeah, looks great. like Rod Farmer, dude. <laughs> no, dude, I saw it in person too, and I was like, oh, it makes me uncomfortable how well it works for him. Like, it's just something <laughs> about it is very, very wrong. I took that picture. I put it on my Instagram story, and he goes, I, I guess he refers to himself in the third person as the kid sometimes. And yeah, I refer to him as the first person, the kid toucher. <laughs> at least he did. At least he did at at the barbecue. And he like he saw the picture. He goes, "Well, kid's got to lose some weight." I go, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Like, yeah. But no, nah, it, it was uh, it was a good time, man. It was fucking yeah, we had a, we had a good we had a good time last week. We took um we met up with uh, Quad and Scooby at the dog park with Lacey. Um, it's funny because Scooby is a fucking horse and Lacey is fucking tiny, and Scooby doesn't know how to play with dogs at all. Like he just like ah. it, like it's so fu- it's so funny hearing it from your perspective and his because he's literally said the same thing all weekend. He goes doesn't know how big he is. He's a big dumb idiot. Yeah, it's funny because, like, the, they they were still playing, but it's funny when you, you see the size difference between them. And Lacey, like, she doesn't really like smaller dogs. She likes playing with big dogs. And then one falls on her and she cries because she's a fucking baby. But, uh, <laughs> That's cool. All right. Anyway, uh, why don't we get into this? Uh, we'll start out right away. Um, I'd like to go first, Taylor. Um, you gave me uh, As I Lay Dying's most recent album, uh, The Return of the Lead Singer. Uh, what was his name? Uh, T- uh, Tim Lambesis. Tim Lambesis, uh, after he was incarcerated for, I believe, six years um, it, uh, for uh, soliciting a hitman to kill his wife. Um, he you know, had issues with uh, steroid abuse and probably a m- bunch of other things. Uh, it was very controversial when he came back to the band. You know, the guy had some, paid someone to kill his wife or was trying to. Uh, in some terms, it's called wet work. Um, and okay. uh, obviously didn't right. go through. He went to prison, uh, came back to the band. Uh, some fans very adamantly against it. Uh, some people like Taylor, more open-minded, like, let's see where it goes. I went into this with the mindset of this is the returning, the return of a guy in a band that tried to kill his wife. Right. And yeah. with that right. mindset going in, um, I was very pleasantly surprised by the very first track on this album. Um, the first one is an intro, uh, Burn to Emerge, but it's a very good b- intro to build up in uh, into Blinded. And I thought the theme of Blinded was brilliant because it's so much, the, the lyrics in her, uh, do you believe people can change? Uh, it seemed like it was a lot of accountability and if he people are willing to accept him back and understand his uh, apology and his uh, way that he's moving forward. I thought the, the structure of the song and the album on a whole was very, very well done. I thought the sound on it was fantastic. I mean, As I Lay Dying has always been a fantastic band musically. There's no arguments about that from anyone. Um, I really appreciated the, the sound of accountability on this album from him. And it seemed like that was the central theme of it. Uh, I mean, when you hear this, the title of the album, Shaped by Fire, it's almost like all these things that led up to that point in his life kind of were like what burned the coals to who he is today. Um, and, you know, starting out with Blinded, I gave that a five. No song got less than a three on here. Um, Shape by uh, Blinded was a five. Shape by Fire was a four. Undertow, I almost had an issue with because that's one of my favorite Tool songs. But I was like, it's a good song. I can't get mad because it's the same song title. That was a four. Um, a string of threes between Torn Between, Gatekeeper, and The Wreckage. Um, my Own Grave was probably my favorite song. I gave that a five. Uh, that was basically about a guy literally digging his own grave and putting himself into the position where he can't blame anyone but himself, getting to the point to be accountable to realize that he put himself in that position. 
Um, Take What's Left, they gave a four. Redefined, it's kind of where in the album you start to see him rebuilding himself back up and changing his narrative from what he wrote for himself to that point. Uh, so I gave that a four. Only After We Fallen was a three. And the final track, The Toll It Takes, was a four. I was very, very impressed with this album. It was a really enjoyable listen. Um, the breakup from screaming to singing is um, seamless. It doesn't seem like it's forced in at any point. It builds up to a crescendo to where the singing comes in and it gets right back to the screaming. So you could really feel the energy of this album from start to finish. I was very impressed. I went back and listened to a bunch more As I Lay Dying that I haven't heard in years. I uh, forgot how much I liked them. I'm going to give this one a solid four out of five. Okay, I think that's fair. And uh, when you said, you know, people against him, people for him, understand, you know what I mean? I sure. get it. And I totally, I totally, I, who, listen, who in their right mind? Yeah. You know, who would, would be like openly, yeah, it's fine. So I'm glad you mentioned the lyrics and the, the redemption in the lyrics, I guess you could say, that he's talking about. Yeah. Um, that was probably one of the biggest factors into the original band coming back together with Tim as well. So that's a, a fact I forgot to mention that this is the, this is uh, the original band, like through struggle as I lay dying. And that, that core group hadn't been together in quite some time. So the fact that it took that kind of convincing to get the original band back together and then come out with an album like this is your first release back. Uh, I think it's, I think it speaks volumes to the rehabilitation that Tim has gone through, um, you know, to the sorrow and the guilt and obviously how bad he feels about the whole situation. I mean, deservingly so, you know, he's not without his demons for sure, but um, for sure. I think it's a, per- it's a perfect album of redemption and the first step towards uh, the most of epic of comebacks. I hated it. And I didn't want to fucking like it, but when I listened to it, I just I can't deny what's good no, and what's not. This it's is phenomenal, dude. It, listen, it's uh, you know, good music's good music, and it doesn't matter, you know what that person did. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a huge, huge effort to write a song. It's not just one guy, unless you're like Trent Reznor, um, or Stevie wonder. It's a huge effort from the, from the lyricist to the guitarist and so on and so forth. And then, you know, if you're talking like pop songs, if you're looking at a Michael Jackson and R Kelly obviously did, you know, horrible things allegedly as well. And you could still listen to the songs and be like, this is a good song. And you got to think about the effort that went into it beyond the, the artist itself. And in this guy's situation, you know, it's crazy how different the narrative is if he actually got a hitman to go through with this because we wouldn't be having this conversation. There'd be either the band wouldn't exist anymore, it'd be a completely different lead singer, the themes of the album would be completely different, and who knows if they even be any good. But somehow, some way, uh, he built himself back up he did his time i i respect people that do their time and are accountable he's not he hasn't blamed anyone but himself and his own decision making i think that makes the swallowing this pill easier um i think what he the story he told in this album about himself was uh really really interesting as well so that's why i gave it such a high grade i was i really really enjoyed this album cool i'm happy about that so okay moving forward you gave me capone starring tom hardy uh thelma uh, Hulk's <laughs> wife, Matt, uh, Matt Dillon, and yeah. there was like two other actors in there. I can't remember who the fuck they were, but I've seen them in plenty of the things the, before. The, the, the Twin Peaks guy, Ralph. <laughs> so you know him as the Twin Peaks guy. I know him as Mr. Slate from the Flintstones yes. movie. Yeah, Mr. hell yeah. Mr. Slate, he was also in one of the great bad movies of all time uh, that there's a documentary coming out about now that had uh, – 
Jesse from Saved by the Bell and it getting naked a whole bunch, Showgirls. Um, one of the the great, terrible, it, it's so bad that if you ever catch it on, it's also a lot of naked girls in it. Uh, if you ever watched Saved by the Bell, it was like a dream come true for anyone when you got to see her in this. All right, a bunch of Sims and uh, Stelly will probably dig it too. Yes. Because uh, her boobs in it, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so... Uh, so yeah, Capone, it's 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 really interesting. So a lot of the stuff I've been reading about it prior to me actually watching the film um, was very hit or miss. You either love it or you hate it. Uh, let's see. I don't. I couldn't really tell who, like what outweighed what, whether people loved it more than they hated it or vice versa. Anyway, I fall into the love it category. Uh, the movie is ridiculous and for somehow it redeems itself. It's 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 like weirdly charming and. Like, bizarre, Al Cap bizarre. Al, Al Capone like just slowly losing his mind throughout the entire, like progressively going further and further off the deep end, is just played so well. For my money, Tom Hardy makes this movie. If there's, oh, if yeah. that's anyone, if that's anyone else, again, I don't know. But if that's no, anyone it, else, I I don't see that that type of thing happening or him carrying the movie as much as it did. Um, there's a couple parts that are just silly um, as far as like writing and editing. Uh, is concerned it's a little sloppy but it is what sure. it is it's just part of the movie um but a couple of my favorite parts um one was actually the the thanksgiving story he told the little girl i'm assuming was his niece in the beginning i yeah. thought that was really well done because like you know it seems like a silly fairy tale and then it turns into something real and then it's funny and then all of a sudden is we throw it right back in Brooklyn's face. And you're like, oh, he's still Al Capone. Okay. And uh, so that was one of my favorite parts. And then the part, I wish it wasn't a fucking like dream sequence kind of, because I think it would have been awesome, is when he has the golden Tommy gun and he's just mowing people down. Like, so I, I agree with amazing. you. I think I think the problem would have been as if it wasn't a dream sequence. That would have been one of those things where people are like, we know that Al Capone didn't just gun down all his gardeners and family and friends in his house. Historically but, inaccurate. Right. I mean, so what that was supposed to symbolize is um, that maybe the most famous mob hit in history um, that he orchestrated the St. Valentine's Day massacre, which honestly changed his um, his public stature as well, because he was looked at as like everyone knew he was a gangster, but he was looked at as like this gangster that gave back. And then he allowed this. He orchestrated this hit against seven prominent men members of the Chicago crime family in broad daylight. It wasn't right. like a nighttime keep it hidden. It was in public. It was very, you know, he was the, the mastermind of it. He was the first celebrity gangster there ever was. And right. every time we've seen him in something, you know, there's been the, the original Scarface movie is about Al Capone. Um, he was in um, Boardwalk Empire. He was uh, a major character in that uh, great performance from the guy that plays him. He was all, the guy was also in The Irishman. You never got to see the side of Al Capone that everyone kind of knew at the end of his life, that knew he was losing his mind. The guy had neurosyphilis from the age of 12. So he was a ticking time bomb to begin with. And then, obviously, when you get to the house in the beginning and you get to see him unravel and Tom Hardy just sink into this role that's so over the top, which is, I think, when Tom Hardy's at his best sometimes, when he can just be, like, completely out of his mind. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's one of the most well-rounded actors out there. He can go over the top. He can do straight down the middle. But he can even do comedy, I'm sure. I mean, and this was a prime – his comedic timing in this was some of the best I've ever seen. And the way some stuff was filmed was so fucking brilliant. Like, okay, um, there's one part of the movie where Al Capone has uh, – or Tom Hardy. Yeah, Al Capone has another stroke. And 
the the rest his family's there talking to his doctor like what are we gonna do and like well the big one was no cigars and like for how long forever and it's like i suggest you use this and it's a fucking carrot right and he's like he's never gonna go for that and then because you know he had the stroke he lost all the feeling and he's like trying to figure out uh he's trying to like get some mental capacity back or whatever and it just nothing is said it just panned to him and he's got a carrot in his mouth like a fucking cigar I thought that was one of the funniest fucking things, dude. I had to how, pause it because I was laughing so hard. How hard did you laugh the first time he shit his pants in it? <laughs> I, I wanted to laugh. I'm sure if we were watching the movie together, we, I would die laughing. For some reason, I felt so sad. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, that sucks, dude. And he, But what I laughed at was his wife that said, Ugh, and she's like, uh, so it's okay. Uh, it's okay, Fonz. You shit the bed again. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, listen, the, the, it's crazy. Who would have thought that in 2020, Joe Biden would have something in common with Al Capone? <laughs> Real talk. Uh, but the the uh, the other thing that it really does depict well, and I think, I, I, as far as accuracy goes, I can't really speak on it. Um, but I would assume that that's a very accurate representation of what what happens when someone has dementia or a form of Alzheimer's where they just slowly start losing their minds a little bit. I'm assuming yeah. that's very, well, very it's realistic. That, especially when it's brought on by neurosyphilis, it's literally attacking, attacking um, the, the central nervous system. So hallucinations are very, very common. So that's what they said. If you look at like um, depositions, when they were trying to say that he didn't actually have this, that it's very accurate, that he was imagining that he was back there, that he didn't think he had his scars anymore. He, I mean, he was Scarface. He got in a bar fight. Um, so yeah, it is pretty accurate to what he was ex- most likely experiencing. Maybe, you know, not the specific dreams, but he was having specific fantasies like that. Yeah, for sure. But I was also talking more so about like just the, the portrayal of someone with dementia yeah, and, and, and what their loved ones go through. You know what I'm saying? That's kind of that's, but he, yeah. the other thing that was really cool, um, was actually, actually another time when I laughed was uh, the second time when he shit his pants. That time I actually did laugh. He said, again, at the deposition with, with the FBI agents, and he's like, I believe that, you know, you, you, you've been lying your whole life. You know exactly what you're doing. You have money stashed away, $10 million, and he just shits his pants yeah. right there. Like, doesn't say anything, he shits his pants. It was like, it was like uh, uh, Hector Salamanca when he goes to the DEA in Breaking Bad. He's just certain just yeah. shits his pants, but he did it on purpose. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, my final grading, um, because it's not the best movie, it's not a, it's not a great movie. By I any agree. Time, but it's good. It's it's worth watching um, if you enjoy stuff that's over the top, mixed with a lot of really good realism. Um, I I can't go any higher than a seven, really. I would do like a, I would do like a seven two. That that would yeah. On Letterboxd, I gave it a three and a half out of five, which I thought, you know, and and like you said, the performance is really what drives it home because Tom Hardy just sinks into it so much and he's so believable. He just literally every time he's in the scene and he's pretty much all the scenes, it just lights up. Um, If you remove Tom Hardy from it, if it's anyone else, it's probably a two star movie because on its own, it's it's an interesting um, it's interesting thematically. But it takes the performance to really make you buy into it and sink into the movie. For sure. Yeah, I definitely agree cool. with that. Good. I figured you would like it. I, I think the problem with the, the negative reviews is that the studios, the studio 
got really involved in a couple ways here. First off, it was originally supposed to be called Fonzo. It wasn't supposed to be called Capone. But the studio said, oh, people will not know what it's about, so we got to change it to Capone. All right, whatever. And then they decided to market it about the most notorious gangster of all time rather than the most notorious gangster of all time when he didn't know who he was anymore. Like, you can't market it like it's a gangster movie, and then it's this, it's basically a Sopranos dream sequence episode is the best way I could describe it. Yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, so just from that, it sounds more of like a, a PR and an advertising problem than as opposed well, to the content itself. They were basically trying to see like we don't we don't think it's going to sell, so we need to see how many people we can get to buy it, thinking it's something else, and then we'll deal with the drop off in the next week. It's a common mistake studios make where people get in the door thinking it's one thing, and then it's something else. Funny people, we've talked about it a couple times, um, and then years later, I think this is one that a couple years from now people are going to look back on and be like, oh, this was actually um, a very very good movie. Um, it's going to be a cold classic, dude. 100%. 100%. Yeah, All right. Classic for sure. So, so our picks for this week now, um, I want to stay in the realm of the uh, the gangster genre, but not your typical gangster movie, just like Capone really wasn't your typical gangster movie. Um, I asked you earlier if you saw this movie and you said you hadn't, but you knew who was in it. Uh, the movie is Analyze This, and I'm pretty sure Josh knows this movie pretty well. Um, De Niro, Billy Crystal. This is actually uh, what kind of inspired David Chase to start his, what was the original idea of The Sopranos, the idea of a mobster going to therapy. But it's a comedy. Um, and you would never expect that two people like Robert De Niro and Billy Crystal would have such good chemistry. But this movie is funny as shit. Like, I've watched it a couple times, and the sequel, Analyze That, is very good as well. The cast is great in it. There's great nods to famous uh, mob movies throughout the years. But it's a completely original story. Billy Crystal, who I normally am not crazy about, is fucking hilarious in this as just a bumbling therapist. Um, De Niro's dealing with his uh, mental issues that he's having trouble performance-wise. He's having panic attacks and goes to Billy Crystal. Uh, I, I really think you're going to like this one. I'm actually a little surprised that you didn't see this one by accident at some point. I'm pretty sure Josh likes this movie a lot, too. I do. Um, yep. it, it's very funny. I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon Prime. I can't say that for sure, but I, last I saw it was. But uh, analyze this. Uh, a really, really funny movie and I, th that, I think you'll like it so much you'll just want to watch the sequel because the sequel's really good as well more than likely I'm in yeah for some reason I knew De Niro was in this I don't I can't, I probably remember seeing like a like a trailer for it at some point I, I don't I don't really remember but all right so my pick this week is actually not for just you but it's also for Josh as well okay. um, this is this is a band that is under the under, under the genre of metal. Um, I'm going to give you their most recent album. It's the band Parkway Drive, and it's the album Reverence. Um, this came out in 2018. So quick story about Parkway Drive. They've been around since 2004, probably before that, um, before they were just a little metal band. Um, they started off as a metalcore band, really, where they were big around 2009, 2010, um, at the height of like the emo, the, the, the hardcore scene and stuff like that. Um, but the thing is with Parkway Drive is that they, like Bring Me the Horizon, they completely changed their sound. The only difference is, is that Bring Me the Horizon went much more electronic, um, much more synthesizers, whereas, Rever or, or whereas Parkway Drive went from metalcore, like August Burns Red, As I Lay Dying, to just straight up like metal metal. That's it. 
Um, and okay. that's what this album really is. And it's, it feels like much more of a natural progression than a Bring Me the Horizon changing kind of is, where they're getting much more experimental. Like, bring, like perfect examples, like Bring Me the Horizon, were like, you know, like they were growing up as emo kids and they were doing their thing and they loved it. And then they tried LSD or weed for the first time. And then they made ammo. You know what I'm saying? Like, but with these guys, it feels like, you know, you grow up normally, you grow up normal. You buy a house, you get married, like you do everything right. You do things normally. And that's what this kind of feels like to me. It feels like a natural maturation into what their sound is now currently. Um, Give it another couple of years. They will be one of the biggest, if not the biggest metal band in the world. Um, It's so funny because they were just five dudes from Australia just touring in a van in the U.S. in a country they'd never been to before. Um, And then they're... They're headlining Wacken Festival, the biggest metal festival in the world. Um, yep. These guys really are absolutely phenomenal. And Winston McCall, their lead singer, is a revolutionary when it comes to the screaming and the singing live, um, specifically, okay. like I said, in, in the genre. He's been around for so long. He's one of the OGs. He's been around that long, and he's that fucking good. Um, but... I hated this album when it came out because it's me being a prick saying, oh, I want original Parkway Drive. I want that old school sound back. Sure. It took me about a full calendar year to a year and a half to really sit down and say to myself, you know what? This album is fucking great. Let's not be stupid and comfy about it. It's awesome. Enjoy it for what it is. And go see Parkway Drive soon. That, that was the whole discussion I had with myself. But uh, yeah, so um, the Parkway, just, Parkway Drive reverence. I'm just reading briefly about it. Um, it says, this review says, it, wrote, it notes the prominent influence of Iron Maiden and Judas Priest on the album's more melodic musical style and compared reverence to the Black Album by Metallica. Um, it praised the album for its more melodic approach, singling out uh, singer Winston McCall's vocal performance for particular pr- praise and concluded that reverence is a record for arenas and Parkway Drive have finally and perhaps unexpectedly become the modern metal band who deserved to fill them. Okay, cool. I'm in, man. Um, I've, I've actually heard one of these tracks before. I believe I've heard The Void. I think that's the one I know. Um, and I liked it a lot. I have some friends that are big Parkway Drive fans. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to try this one out. Awesome. And, and you know, if you ever, again, after this, if you ever feel like delving into the old stuff, it's just, it's cool to see like where they were, obviously, you know, 12 years ago compared to where they are now. It's just cool to hear like what they used to sound like as opposed to what they sound like now. Yeah, it's just, I, you know, I think that's, you ever that's important. I think it's important a lot of times, especially if you find a band and you, you know, you listen to their most recent album and you really like it to go back and just see what the difference in sound is. I did that recently with a friend um, who he was like, uh, what, give me a band that recent album come out that you like. I was like, Oh, I like thrice. Listen to their newest album. He's like, Oh, this is really, really good. I was like, all right, do yourself a favor and go back to listen to their very first album and listen to the difference in sound. And then he, decided just to go through there uh through artists of the ambulance to Vasu to alchemy index to major minor and to see the evolution of a band that started out as like uh i guess a, a screamo hard rock band is probably what thrice was early on that, i think it's probably that, that that's that's that john rise it is that yes yeah it's like a blend of scream because it's not entirely screaming it's it, it's more like just a, a yell sing 
Um, but that's probably what it was, probably closer to the emo subgenre. And to see where they are now, where they're more just a, a rock band, um, it, it's really interesting. You go back to old Chili Peppers and to where they are now. Um, it, it's crazy to see how uh, Green Day, when you look at how they've evolved through the years, it's pretty wild to see. And I think that's important. And especially when it seems like a band fully comes into its own later in their careers, you know, as great, my favorite Chili Pepper album is Blood Sugar Sex Magic, but I don't think they fully became the band they were meant to be until Californication. And that was 10 years apart. Oh my yeah, goodness, see, seven years, seven years apart. Again, being a little younger than you, I, I, I think when they went from, this is just me, when I went from, when they went from Californication to Dana, California, was when they, stadium, you know what I'm that saying? was sta- Stadium, stadium Arcadium. Stadium Arcadium. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's, yeah, that's and, like and the were, Chili Peppers I grew up with. You know? Yeah, and I mean, because Californication, I believe, was 1999 uh, or 2000. And um, that was the first time they really worked with those uh, those harmonies with John Frusciati and uh, the strange sound. But they still had that funk with flea playing bass, but it just wasn't as heavy. You know, the song that made me want to play, follow my father and my brother's footsteps and play bass was um, Suck My Kiss on Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And that right. sound was still there. They kept the roots. And it's probably something like what Park way drive here is you keep the core of what you were but you find better ways to fit into where you are musically now exactly and then also if you ever feel like it they actually put out a documentary this year called viva viva the underdogs um okay. again, just the running history of the band if you ever feel like you just want to put that on plex um it's worth a watch it's just cool because again it shows you where they came from like old school footage from 2004 to them that being the headliners at Wacken. I think that's, if you ever want to delve, that's how, oh, yeah. how you recommend Viva Los Underdogs. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, remind me, I'll put that on Plex. I've been, I added a shit ton of stuff to Plex in the last week. Cause I'm, I'm going through that list with the landlord. Um, the hundred, the 42 movie list that we have, I, I found the bar known worst one on there. And this movie was nominated for best picture back in 1994, um, four weddings and a funeral. Uh, it's a fucking Hugh, Hugh, it's a Hugh Grant movie. And I fucking, I hated Hugh Grant before this. Like what, what does Hugh Grant do for us? He's like a, a chick flick guy, right? Like that's like primarily what he Gr- is. Yeah, this and like it started out in the first like 10, 15 minutes. The landlord was like, oh, I like it so far. And 10 minutes later, she's like, this is terrible. And uh-huh. you watch the whole thing. It, that was tough. Um, we just today rewatched 12 Angry Men, which I haven't watched in years. That is an incredible, incredible movie to just think that it's all in one place and it's just guys deciding if someone is guilty or not guilty in court and it still holds up. Uh, I'm trying to think if we've hammered out anything else on that list. Uh, we did training day last week. I don't know if we talked about that. Um, and then what do we watch this week? What, what are you guys watching? What have you watched this past week? And I'll try to think of other things. Uh, again, this past week, I watched the Parkway Drive documentary. That was one thing I did. Um, uh, it's always sunny. Oh, I've been watching. Me- what the fuck? Why am I having such a fucking brain fart? Lethal Weapon. A lot. Okay. I'm watching a lot <laughs> yeah. of Lethal Weapons. A lot. Yeah. Like, that's why I told you it's all the time. That's why I told you that if it. If you're watching those, go to the, the episode of uh, D gives um, D D or it's a D Reynolds shaping America's youth, which is the episode where they show their lethal weapon five. And then there's an episode, I think it's season nine called lethal weapon six, where they made lethal weapon six. And it's it's Mac and Dennis playing Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. Um, 
we won't say in blackface, but uh, <laughs> but uh, um, but it's it's really funny. One time when Josh and uh, Josh and I, his wife, the landlord, and someone else were hanging out, it was like best Lethal Weapon movie. I said like really quick to Josh, and he goes Lethal Weapon Five. Like he said it with no hesitation. <laughs> uh, Josh, what about you? What have you been watching? Uh, so, uh, I've been watching the It's Always Sunny, like we've been, uh, discussing over the last couple of days. Um, I watched Godzilla King of the Monsters this Dude, week, which, fun. uh, it's fucking yeah, great. I mean, like I, like, I don't know why people shit on it so bad. I, I didn't like look at it like this is supposed to be some kind of a fucking cinematic masterpiece. It was uh, a fun monster you, movie. You, you know, what's so funny when the first one came out with Brian Cranston in it, people complained it took so long to get to Godzilla. And this one, it's five minutes in. It's just monsters fighting, and people are like, there was no character development. What do you want, assholes? Like, come on. Dude, it's fucking it was Godzilla fun. movie, dude. It's great. Dude, it was just like the, the Kong Skull Island. They just started out right with King Kong. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I saw, I think it was my buddy Marcus sent me a screenshot, or that well, there was a uh, shot that was circulating the internet of Godzilla and King Kong on the aircraft carrier. Yeah. I'm like, um, yeah, King, I need King that Kong, movie in my life, dude. It, it just it just got moved up to next summer, summer 2021. Um, they they've been hyping it forever. I mean, it was hyped all the way back in the first Godzilla movie uh, stuff with King Kong, and then in Kong Skull Island, there's references to King Kong or to Godzilla. Yeah, it'd be weird if in Kong and Skull Island there was references to King Kong. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, they're they're I'm very excited for that. Like, it, I actually okay, there it is. I watched a really good monster movie this week. It's a really recent one it came out this past year it's called crawl um you probably saw the trailers for it where it's like a hurricane hit and this daughter and her father are stuck in their basement with alligators like swarming the house it was really good like it was like a good monster movie because it involves a hurricane so there's weather going on and alligators it was was so there's weather going on (laughs) yeah there's weather going on was it florida jesus yeah it was florida it was a hurt it was a category five hurricane this daughter goes back to get her father who got um is passed out in the crawl space and then they get stuck because there's alligators down there and then it gets flooded <laughs> dude it, just, it was it, it just sounds like it's it's the sequel to sharknado called gator dude, this this was a million times better this was actually like a good budget movie it wasn't like a sci-fi special um barry pepper's in it who played um roger maris in 61 he was in shawshank at the green mile uh saving private ryan Taylor, I was watching. I almost gave that one to you this week because I think you'll really like it. It's like a fun monster movie. Um, I tried watching uh, The Landlord. I tried watching. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for that Mark Ruffalo show that's on HBO now. I know this much is true where he plays twins. So he plays two parts. And one of the twins is like severely mentally ill. The opening scene of it is him in a library. Um, He has uh, paranoid schizophrenia. He's in a library and he cuts off his fucking hand. We watched one episode of it. Mark Ruffalo is incredible in it. It was so hard for me to watch. It made me so uneasy because it was such a, a good uh, retrospective into mental illness that I was like, I don't know if I could binge this. I think I need to wait a little bit to watch episode two. Like I need like a week because it was very difficult. But Ruffalo was incredible. And in I think it's going to get all kinds of awards. Um, and then Josh's original recommendation a couple weeks ago to us is to watch a little Dickie show on FX. Dave. Now, Josh, did you finish the show? Did you watch all of it? I watched the first four episodes. Okay, so what I was surprised at, the first four episodes are straight-up comedy. Like, I laugh my ass off. 
And then it goes into this weird, not even, I won't say a weird direction, but a very um, artistic, creative direction. And it did a great job with building characters and relationships. And I was shocked at how intelligent of a show it was. It dealt yeah. with uh, relationships with mental illness, with uh, career advancement. It, it, I, w- I was really surprised because I knew very little of Little Dicky before this. But the dude can actually rap. Which is yeah. the funny part? Dude, it's like, funny. It's it's really good. And uh, there's one Taylor. You'll you'll get a kick out of this. There's one episode. Uh, a local kid dies. His uh, parents ask li- uh, little Dicky to play a, a memorial, um, memorial concert. And uh, there is a cameo at the end of the episode. I'm not going to reveal it because I want you to watch a show that you will love. Dude, there's a lot of cameos. <laughs> Taylor, like I'm not kidding. You're, you're going to make me sh- do it. I literally I, I started watching it that night. I watched three episodes and then I um, I had the landlord rewatch a couple of them. And then that night I just flew through it. I watched all 10 episodes in a matter of two days. I liked it that much. I went into it completely low expectations and I was blown away by it. It was such a smart like I did a good job of starting out with just the comedy. So it kind of reeled you in and then you care about the characters and it does this great job advancing them. There's so many cameos. You get to see him rap and you realize how good of a rapper he was i saw his thing on sway show from a couple months ago where he dropped a freestyle that was incredible like dude i i knew you were gonna be i knew you were gonna be skeptical going into it but how much did that how much did that very first scene make you say okay i gotta keep watching yeah it was i was like all right he's sitting here talking about his gross chewed up dick i'm like i'm in and (laughs) it, 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 it was really funny um and something we all watched this week uh was uh the strange thing about the johnsons (laughs) (laughs) so so, so taylor i need to i need to reveal a little bit to you so i told you that i'd seen this when it first this went when this came out in 2011 it went fucking viral like i'm a little surprised that none you didn't see it by mistake at some point but it was everywhere i think in its first month out it got like five million views on youtube like some crazy number I, i i blocked it out from my memory for obvious reasons. <laughs> and um, I was doing just some reading on Ari Aster and I was like, holy shit, that was him that did that. I was like, I need to revisit this. And I decided at that point upon revisiting it, I knew need to infect everyone with this because I'm infected with it. So I got you guys to watch it. I got Bob to watch it. I got Justin to watch it. I got some random people, people on my Facebook that decided to go ahead and watch it, messaged me just, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> one, of, one of my friends, she she's like in some kind of contest and she's been asking me to vote for and i was like all right i'm gonna vote if you watch this with your boyfriend she's like all right she 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 dm me like an hour ago of her boyfriend's reaction he's like yo what the fuck this white people shit even though they're black but it's a white boy director what the fuck uh i I, i've never been more uncomfortable watching something that doesn't really show anything graphic it doesn't really like actually show it it's all like alluded to like smoke and mirrors but Josh, what were your thoughts upon watching it? <laughs> you know, the first scene, I, I kind of had like this weird feeling. I was like, all right, I, I bet you this picture is going to be his dad or some fucked up shit like that. And lo and behold, that that is the case. And then it gets to the part at the wedding where the mom looks through the fucking people on the fence. <laughs> And she sees this kid about to go down on his dad, and she's got like this fucking blank look on his face, like, uh, all right. And then he's, thinking, the, he's the, taking a picture with his family, and he's grabbing his dad's ass. I know, dude. And then you know, he just gets through all this other weird stuff—the dinner, the din dins—and then he rakes his dad in the tub. And I'm gonna let Taylor take it from there. Taylor, comment. <laughs> 
That's where I stopped watching. I couldn't do it. I really couldn't Dude. do it. I, how, okay, but while while you couldn't do it, don't you think Bob should make Quaz watch it just to see Quaz's reaction? Yes, I agree. See, exactly. <laughs> I wanted you to watch it for this reaction specifically. Dude, I was the same way as you. I was watching. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, like I don't, a, what, why? Why? People just want to be edgy for what? To, uh, well, like, to show what? It, what? In this yeah, situation, what, a son rapes a dad. Oh, that's so fucking edgy, dog. Fuck in this you. situation, he was definitely trying to be edgy because he was at the AFI Film Institute, which is the most prestigious film school there is, and they're showing him all this PC Oscar stuff. Wait. And so, 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 the most prestigious film school ever, right? And your thesis is fucking kid rapes dad. That's and your you thesis. Got, and you got an A plus. And because he was saying he didn't like that. Well, he's always he's actually one of these people that spoke about spoke out about how Hollywood executives act like they want you to play it safe, but they're the most perverse, disgusting people they were. So he was like, what can I make? How what's the most taboo subject possible? And usually it's either rape or incest. Put them together. And Justin brought up a point. He goes, basically, it's a the classic trope of the father being the molester and just spun it. And it was very controversial as well because he cast a black family, even though race has nothing to do with it. Naturally, people made it about race. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely one of the most perverse things. He's even said, like, you know, I look back on doing that and I was trying to prove a point and I could never do something like that again. But when you create something that, again, is divisive, you usually get the job done, whether people if it draws a reaction from someone, whether good, bad. The last thing you want is indifferent. Everyone has a reaction. How could you not? Disgusting. I hate it. I will talk about something else. I just thought about something. Your son was touching your father. Disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So so let me lighten the mood, shall I? Go for Uh, it. So for years, for years, I've been telling this infamous story of Greg falling in the shower, right? Um, <laughs> Fucking bar soap, dude. Right. So, <laughs> so on Tuesday, karma hit so bad. I think Was it hit it harder than. I think it hit harder than I fucking did, to be honest with you. Uh, the top of my on top of my back was already out. I fucking I just it's a brand new tub. It's porcelain, and I just fucking and I step and I feel myself start to go. And I'm here, literally. It was in slow motion, and the first thought ran through my head was, "Fuck, I'm gonna have to tell this on the podcast, aren't I?" <laughs> Dude, I fall. Like a movie, I rip the blinds off the wall. <laughs> the shower curtain comes down. I broke a bolt on the fucking toilet seat. Dude. 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 It was the crater. It, it was an epic fucking fall, dude. It was monstrous. Did your neighbor say anything? No, she's a very nice lady. She didn't even ask she's, if I was okay. She asked if you needed her life alert. <laughs> so you're the fourth person to say that to me. I told, I told, I, I told Bob, uh, I told Bob Quads and Steli on Sunday, and then they were like, "Oh," uh, and uh, they were like, "Did you press the button around your neck?" And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I uh, I fell in the shower. 
It was awful. Um, now there's no blinds, so now everyone can see everything. And uh, oh, for them, yes, for them is correct. And uh, yeah, I need a new fucking toilet seat. Thankfully, I'm half a plumber and I know what the fuck I'm doing. That's true. You always have plumber crack. You did it on the show last week. Your ass was out. It wasn't my fault. It just happens. I I do agree with you. Like I think it's one th- one thing. Like if my ass is out, it's like a rare occasion. But your ass is out all the time, so it truly just happens. It's so tradition. You've been decently exposed yourself to so many clients. <laughs> what? At least two of them is your fault. Wait, 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 when? When you kicked me in the dick at Best Buy and my <laughs> pants fell down. <laughs> and the reason why I say two is because I definitely remember for sure two customers seeing that for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what was the second? You said there were. Lanes. You were saying there were two times. It was one of the times I pantsed you in public or something. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking that one counts oh. as two because two okay. customers saw my ass. I, I mean, I'm sure I've pantsed you in public at some point. You tried. I <laughs> tried. Yeah. Um, okay. So in other news, um, I just saw this pop up. This isn't really important, but uh, you know how like. Uh, you can add mods to games on PC. Someone yeah. um, on Resident Evil 3, they swapped out Nemesis for Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I just watched it. It's, uh, it's, it's got like a rocket launcher. <laughs> it's almost as stupid as like the dog show and it's Shrek running. Dude, I knew you'd love that when I sent it to I think the hardest you laughed at me recently was in the group chat uh, this past week when I just sent my fart the audio. <laughs> it's funny every time, dude. It's literally the biggest part of my week. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so in in. Controversial news. Um, Jimmy Fallon's in trouble. And I, I, you know things are bad? When I have to defend a guy that I don't even like, I'm not a big Jimmy Fallon fan. I don't think he's a bad dude. I just don't think he's very funny. But um, he's in hot water for a 20-year-old SNL sketch where he was – I'm not even going to call him blackface. He was doing it in person because blackface traditionally is – Way, way more offensive than that. Um, this was basically like Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. He was doing an impression of Chris Rock on SNL. And the, so the, the, the anti-social justice warriors did a social justice warrior thing, went back and dug it up because they don't like that he's a social justice warrior. Um, and now everyone wants to cancel Jimmy Fallon. Now, uh, it seems like cooler heads are prevailing with this. I was very happy just to see about an hour ago that Jamie Foxx actually came out and defended him and basically said, you know, you're doing comedy. We're comedians. It's what we do. You weren't in blackface. It was a great impression. But why is Jimmy Fallon the one that people are going after? Doesn't Lauren Michaels oversee everything on SNL and have final say on every single sketch in the show? Why is it Jimmy Fallon that's getting in trouble? Well, so I had a tweet typed out with his apology tweet and I decided to delete it because I didn't know if people would take the message the wrong way, but they probably would have. I saw your tweet. Your sentiments were correct, but people love misconstruing things. It's just like he gets paid to play pretend. It's not like him and Chris Rock were at odds. They were, they they were, and very much still are good friends. You know, they were both on one of the most successful comedy TV series of all time. And you got you have to imagine, and this is not me, you know, passing the buck, but usually nothing gets on the air without Lauren Michaels' approval. Yeah. So 
I mean, listen, and I'm not saying you got to pass the buck to Warren Michaels. I'm just saying, like, start looking at, like, it's not just Jimmy. It's because he's the host of The Tonight Show, the biggest late-night talk they, show of all SNL time. Has, all, has a whole team of writers that come up with these things, but Jimmy Fallon's the one that's in trouble for it. Now, if you want to take a similar argument about Jimmy Kimmel, who himself, I, I like Jimmy Kimmel, I love the old man show, has turned into a major social justice warrior, yeah. but he's been able to gloss over his Carl Malone impression for years, which is a hilarious impression, mind you. But it, it was it the same that. kind of thing. It's the same kind of thing. I don't think they were doing blackface. They were doing an impression. It's literally like the movie White Chicks. They weren't making fun of specific racial things. He was doing a very, uh, and I, again, I don't like Jimmy Fallon. He did a great Chris Rock impression. And it Chris was very Rock, funny. Chris Rock has maintained a great relationship with SNL through all these years. If anyone has a right to be offended, it's Chris Rock, and he's not. So everyone should shut the fuck up and get off their high horse. I completely agree with that. And just real quick side note, you imagine at one point in that, in that SNL writing room was Bob Odenkirk, Conan O'Brien, and Louis C.K., at the same time, they were writing for SNL. Like, and now look at it. They got a bunch of uh, feminists that never did comedy in their life to make sure their comedy's woke enough. Dude, so I uh, I think we talked about it a while ago, but do you remember when Anthony Jeselnik was on Rogan? Yes. So right after that, he went on your mom's house with Segura and Christina P. And he actually talked about he was a writer for Jimmy Fallon on The Tonight Show. He literally said verbatim, uh, uh, he was told verbatim that Jimmy loves your stuff. He just can't say it on TV. Now, if you don't know who Jesselnik is, use your imagination, the jokes he had for the monologue. Yeah, and sure. Jimmy He's Fallon can't as hell. Say stuff. But, uh, yeah, of course not. You can't. It's, it's, just, it's just funny to hear that coming from a comedian who had a writing job, who, in my opinion, is a very prominent and a very good comedian. It's just yeah. that whole comedy network TV thing is a little is a little fugazi weird to me. Even even Conan's new show isn't as great it's, as it was five years ago. Well, it's I appreciate with Conan that he at least tried to change the format and went to more of a sit-down thing rather than the, the big live audience and the typical thing. I, I actually appreciate that. He tried something different. Um, I don't think it works as well, but I think that um, you have to evolve a little bit throughout, you know, unless you're on, you know, he got screwed over by that cocksucker Jay Leno so badly, and he's always been, I, I like I like Conan a lot. I think Conan's a very, very funny guy. But, um, you know, late night TV, just, it, it's not, Letterman was, you know, besides Johnny Carson, Letterman's the best to ever do it. Letterman was great at it. And people like Jay Leno more because he did simple, dumb jokes and it appealed to middle America. And middle America is what wins these kind of things, unfortunately. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I mean that's, that's the other thing, too. I mean, like Conan, like I said, he did the sit down type of thing. I'm not saying he did it on purpose. It's, there's, there's a thing called parallel thinking. But it was eerily around the same time when Letterman put out his Netflix show, which was essentially that. Yeah, you know? well, it's uh, yeah. That was um, I love Letterman show. I appreciate I it. His his is more of because Conan still does his like basic monologue in the beginning, while Letterman's right. just a straight up interview series. And Letterman is a great interview. He he asks great questions. The episode with Kanye West is unbelievable. He went he challenged Kanye. I think it's also cool how like it cuts into him spending time with Kanye. His place was really cool. Um, I, I'm a big Letterman guy. He he deserved 
uh, Jay Leno's job for years. He deserved to take over for Johnny Carson, but Leno is a back sack. If you ever want to see something funny, uh, when Leno came back after he took his job back from Conan, after Conan had it and Conan got screwed, they had all these like different celebrities and comedians dial in video wise. And Jimmy Kimmel dialed in and just harassed Jay Leno about taking his yeah. job back. I, I, I saw like, that when he's on, he's on live TV. He's like, Oh, you mean like, I'm gonna hand it. I'm gonna hand the keys to my successor, but then in a year, change my mind and take my show back. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, Kimmel. That's when Kimmel was great. I hate to say it. When Kimmel was fat, he was the best. Dude, the old man show. The, the early on, that was one of the funniest damn TV shows. I hope HBO Max gets the man show because I would love to go back and watch those old episodes. HBO Max is actually pretty cool. I was happy Josh mentioned the uh, the Optimum thing. If you have an Optimum HBO account that you get HBO Max, there is so much shit in there. They have all the old Godzilla movies, dude. I'm set. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I appreciate you letting me know because I do have an optimum HBO account, so I can always get that for free. Oh, well, that, well uh, analyze this and analyze that are both on there, so. There you Makes go. Sense. Perfect. That works Dude, out better. They had, I, I couldn't believe the amount of stuff. There was so much stuff I put on my Plex this week for our list of 42 movies, and then I go into HBO Max, and like half of them are there. I'm like, these cocksuckers. <laughs> and, awesome. and thankfully, I, some of them I didn't download. I didn't download like Ben Hur or Casablanca yet, and those are like four hour movies. Well, which, ben, ben, ben Hur is awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, Lawrence of Arabia is not. We've been, we, I, I was telling you guys. Sorry, I was telling you guys last week that we started it. It's an unbelievably well-made movie that nothing happens in. Like it, it looks great, but story-wise, I, and I get that's the point of it, and it, it holds up on every filmmaking front. Like nothing on it is dated whatsoever, but it, it's it's an uneventful film. I mean, I'm only an hour and a half into it. I have two and a half hours left on it, so cool. it's just been. It's been a chore. I don't know what we're going to watch yet. I'm excited to get to stuff like Terminator 2 on this list and um, Psycho. I haven't watched Psycho in quite a while, so I'll be excited about that. Um, There's some news in the UFC world. Um, Not news, but rumors, smoke and mirrors. I don't know. But um, Jorge Masvidal is potentially turning down a fight against Kamaru Usman for the welterweight title to run it back with Nate Diaz. Um... Uh, that's okay. So both fights, it's either you damned if you do, if you damned if you don't, in my opinion, I think the clear cut thing is the fight Usman. If you're not worrying about money or the, the, the honestly, the, the BMF title mean, means nothing to anyone. Nothing. Um, so the competitor in me, like if I, if I'm Jorge Masvidal, the competitor in me is fighting Usman. Maybe I'm wrong, but the money fight to me seems like Diaz. Maybe that's what that is. I don't know. Sure. The the money fight is certainly Nate Diaz. It is going to sell more pay-per-views um, than fighting Usman, even though the Usman fight is for the title. However, if you're looking at legacy, competitor, you know, if you one thing, if there was a question around the Nate Diaz fight, he kicked his ass. I know it was a cut that stopped it, but Nate Diaz got dominated from bell to whistle. I know that it looked like Masvidal was starting to – to, to, to fade, but he Diaz was so beat up. If he wasn't going to stop it there with the cut, he would have gotten cut open more, and he would have gotten stopped it a little bit later. It wasn't a competitive fight whatsoever. So the interest in that for me, as someone that's an intelligent fan, it doesn't just need the name to to sell me a fight is annoying. You know, if you want a great example of not waiting for the title shot or taking the title shot, and then how badly that could go. No, look no further than Tony Ferguson. 
not waiting, taking the circumstances that are, are less than ideal and just to, to get the fight or get paid. Yes, it is a competitive thing to do, but for your legacy, Tony Ferguson now runs the risk of becoming the greatest fighter to never hold the UFC championship. A real UFC championship, mind you. Not a, I don't count interim titles. No, I, I think that's fair. I don't count interim titles either. Um, but so it, it's it, it's it's a very weird thing because I think I, if Jorge runs it back with Nate, I think the same thing happens. Truthfully. I would think so. Think same, sure. Unless Nate changes his game plan, which I don't see happening. It's just all um, kinds of fluke. What what happens if in the rematch in the first round, Masvidal gets cut above his eye and it changes the? It's just so many things could happen. Right, but if 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 he fights Usman, what Usman? Excuse me, he's one. He's fighting for the title. Usman is the fucking Usman's the champ at one at welterweight. He's the fucking champ, and definitive champ. really definitive. Defi- right, he beat the shit out of Woodley for that title. Um, yeah, uh, Colby Covington. Oh, Colby Covington. Oh yeah, well he right, won he right. won the title. He yes, he did win the title from Woodley, and then he he broke Covington's jaw. And that makes me very happy. Uh, yes. The the fight I would want to see, being the fan that I am, I want to see him versus Usman. Usman. That's what yeah. I want to see. I, I mean, would agree. obviously, and, it, it, in this time, like you need to sell pay per views, you need to make money. So I get sure. what I get why he would go Nate. But again, the, the the fan in me wants to see him fight for a title. I think he deserves it. The way he knocked that ass. Yeah, Nate Diaz. He deserves sure. the title. To me, he's the number one contender. I mean, you got a big fight this weekend with um, Tyrone Woodley and Gilbert Burns. Um, that That's a really, really big fight, a really good welterweight fight that'll clear up some of the welterweight title picture. You know, and then the rumors started coming around that if Masvidal fought Nate, that Conor McGregor would fight Usman, and that would go very, very poorly for Conor. You know, yeah. I mean, and Us- Usman was even saying that, I'll stand with Connor for the first two rounds. That makes it more interesting. Whenever you stand with a sniper like Connor, anything can happen at 170. But now... The big rumbling is that Conor McGregor, well, today on Twitter, he said he accepted a fight with Anderson Silva at a catchweight bout of 176. I cannot state this enough. I don't care how old he is. Anderson Silva will beat the shit out of Conor McGregor. He's entirely... He's entirely too, too big for Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor, soaking wet, is probably at best 178 to 181 pounds, right? He'll cut two, three, maybe five pounds most to make the fight. Anderson Silva walks around at about 220 pounds. The size difference will be dramatic. Forrest Griffin was a huge 205-pounder, and Anderson was about the same size as him. What's it going to look next to Conor McGregor? Of course, Anderson's older, but we can't forget that just two years ago, Anderson went the distance with the current 185-pound champion, Israel Adesanya, and a very competitive fight, mind you. Anderson hasn't been getting clowned by people. His fucking leg broke again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like his le- it's So what is Conor going to do? I don't think Conor has the power to knock him out. Daniel Cormier couldn't knock him out in five in three rounds and Daniel Cormier knocks out heavyweights. I mean, Anderson just has to get him in the clinch and throw knees. I don't care how old he is. I, I don't, he's too strong. He's too big and he still is good. He's not like getting clowned by dudes. Yeah, he's not, he's not what, what you normally see by older fighters where they're getting the shit kicked out of them bad and they're, yeah. they're losing, they're losing ugly fights. Um, and Anderson, I mean, th- there's a reason why he's in the argument for the greatest of all time, power for pound greatest. Um, you know, I, I I definitely agree with you. That's I would pay for that pay per view. 
you want oh, the UFC I to do. make money, I would buy that pay-per-view. That's a, that's a great fight, especially with a dude like Connor, who he is going to sell on any fight. And if you don't want him getting undeserved title shots, make this super fight. I think Connor's legacy is cemented. You know, I don't think he's the greatest by any means, but he's the first guy to hold two belts at once. Like, you can't argue with that. If he wants to take super fights and not hold up a division and not, you know, make a guy wait to fight for the title or whatever. Yeah, let's do it. I would love to see that. I, I mean, I think Connor is going to fight this summer. If it's Anderson Silva, I'm always down for an Anderson Silva fight. I mean, Anderson Silva, when I look at his record recently, he lost the two fights to Weidman in 2013. He had the, he beat Nick Diaz, but it got overturned because of the PEDs, whatever. <clears throat> he got robbed against Michael Bisping. He should he knocked out Michael Bisping and then they didn't stop it. Um, lost a decision to Cormier, beat Derek Brunson, a very good middleweight, lost a decision to uh, Israel Adesanya in 2019. And not even two years ago, it was a year ago he lost a decision to Adesanya that he took on right. two weeks' notice, fight of the night. And then uh, he broke his leg against uh, Jared Cannonier. He's too big for Connor. I'm sorry, he's way too big. Yeah, I think it'll go this. I think you just. I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's Steven Seagal's him in the face or anything like that. But no, he's, he's gonna. Him at some point. He'll take his time. I mean, Connor's or Connor Anderson's never been a dude. Very rarely that just comes out and he hits like a Jorge Masvidal. You know, Nate. He likes to feel a guy out and get his range, and that's the same thing as Connor. And once he gets it, he's gonna start picking him apart. But in this case, Anderson <coughs> would do, do what he did to Rich Franklin in the first fight. I'm stronger than you. He's gonna put him in the tie clinch, knee the shit out of his body, knee the shit out of his face, wear him out, and then just pick him apart. And then if it gets to the ground, Anderson would play games with him on the ground. Start slapping him around like when uh what the fuck's his name? Uh, Randy Couture was patting Tito's ass. Tito on the ass. You know, Tito for years was claiming that Randy was tapping out to a leg lock. So stupid, dude. That's the dumbest shit ever. He didn't have no. it sunk at all. The, the dumbest shit ever was what I sent you last night of Tito Ortiz debuting in TNA. <laughs> Here, yo, zero pop. No one cared. The best was they, when they when they cut and you see Rampage in there trying to sell it. And they cut the Mr. Kennedy and he's like this. He's like, what? <laughs> All right. That's like, so funny. It's, no, but I mean, I mean oh, dude. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, what were you going to say? I forget. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, we, were, we, we, we brought up that Tito thing because last night on AEW, um, they had Mike Tyson come out with uh, Henry Cejudo and Rashad Evans and Vitor Belfort. And it's funny that it was Vitor because I just saw an interview with uh, Bruce Pritchard from like a week ago where he was saying that the WWE was looking into Vitor Belfort back in the 90s when he was juiced to the gills. He won a UFC tournament at 18 years old. And I'm like, okay, now Vitor is like 47. He's uh, not on TRT anymore. If you ever want to see a great picture, look at look at Vitor Belfort when he fought Luke Rockhold and Michael Bisping, and then look at him oh, after he wasn't allowed on TRT anymore. It's disgusting how different it is. I, I'm a full fan of TRT Vitor. I want to see TRT Vitor fight forever. He was just <laughs> knocking out dudes with spinning wheel kicks. It was great. Didn't I, wasn't he on TRT when he fought uh, John Jones? Yes, he was juiced to the gills for that, too. It was great. And he almost broke John's fucking arm, dude, with that arm that, bar. That fight was wild when you think about it. And, and John, you know, it's so easy to shit talk John Jones, but people just forget how fucking tough he is. Like, I was at the fight when he fought Chael Sonnen. And he, you know, he TKO'd Chael in the first. But if that round had ended, Chael would have become the 205-pound champion because John Jones' big toe nearly ripped off. I Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Dude, so it literally, so, dude, there's, there's a, a gif of it. 
and it's like hanging on by a thread. And they would have stopped the fight, and Chael would have been two or five pound champion, and Chael would have gone on tirades about how you know uh, John was gassing and he was about to take over. So speaking <laughs> of Chael, you made me remember what I was going to say. Uh, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, like in this, as like using it as an excuse to like why you lost. It was when Chael Sutton lost to Anderson Silva by triangle choke. And after the fact, he said, I didn't know tapping meant you lose the fight. I thought it meant you lose that round. And I All was right. like, what does that's, that mean? Listen, that's, so that's trail, Chael working everyone. Because I remember reading <laughs> that and I was like, I've seen Chael Sutton tap out at least eight times before. <laughs> he was just being an asshole. Like, Chael's the only dude that lost to Jeremy Horn three times. And he always lost by triangle choke. Um, it, my favorite excuse I ever heard was um, after, I think it was after Tito lost to, or um, I don't remember if it was a loss or a win. It was a shitty fight either way. And he said in the post-fight interview that uh, he had a broken back and he had a cracked skull. And he was <laughs> I have a cracked skull. That was like that famous Mike, Mike, Mike Tyson interview where I broke my, my back. back is, my back is broken. Yeah. Well, well, well uh, what kind of damage? Spinal. Spinal. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, stupid Henry Cejudo's ruining kayfabe for AEW. And wow. by doing that, like, and I, I was talking to Manfro about it last night. I was like, listen, I, I appreciate them trying to use MMA guys, but they picked the worst drawing champion in UFC history in Henry Cejudo. Rashad Evans, who hasn't been relevant since 2013. Vitor Belfort, who again it hasn't been relevant for quite a while and is in his forties, like that, those aren't the guys you use. Like the UFC, the WWE had the right idea with Cain Velasquez because they brought him into a Brock Lesnar storyline. Like the history was there already. You know what I mean? Yeah. And fact. he also had been training wrestling at this point. Uh, I just saw an announcement for a fight as well. Robert Whitaker faces Darren Till on July twenty fifth on Fight Island. Ooh, I like that. That's I like a that good fight that's a, a lot. That's a really good fight. I'm glad Whitaker's back. There was some uh, uncertainty around the future of his career. Uh, the rumor was he had to pull out of his last fight because he had to give bone marrow to his daughter. So um, I like Whitaker a lot. Whitaker's a good dude. I'm glad. That, I hope everything is going perfect for him and that he's back fighting. Um, in other news, I saw a story. My cat is trying to jump off the TV. He's walking on it like a, a balance line. You got it, Luke. Don't be stupid, dude. That TV, I hope it goes down. The TV goes down. Dude, I hope it goes it, down. I hope it, it goes it, down. It, it, Dude, look at this fucking asshole. <laughs> my, uh, for those who are just listening, my, okay, there he goes. There you go, stupid. Uh, my cat was literally walking on the TV like a high beam, like a, a, a thin rope. Uh, one of those jerk-offs. Said, yeah, tightrope with thin rope. <laughs> I'm going to do the, the thin rope walk. What a fucking asshole. <laughs> it's, it, instead of the thin red lines, the thin red, lo- the thin red rope. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, I saw a story that uh, three kids in like uh, uh, Russia they wanted to become Spider-Man. Okay. So what cool. would you do if what would you do if you wanted to become Spider-Man? Uh, I would wait ten minutes till that thought went away. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, what would you do? Uh, I don't know. I don't have a good answer. I feel like this is going somewhere wait, that I don't want to so, go. So wait, hold on. So wait, 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 wait. So like, okay. So they wanted to be Spider-Man, right? Like that. Yeah. That's that's it. That's all you're giving me. Yeah, they wanted to become Spider-Man. They didn't want to be so, Spider-Man. They wanted to become Spider-Man. Okay, so become Spider-Man. Be Sp- It's the same. What is, whatever. So, so like, like, be, be Spider-Man is like, I, what were you for Halloween? Oh, I was Spider-Man. They, they wanted to become Spider-Man. <laughs> so, like, they wanted to be like, yo, I'm Peter Parker. 
this is my girlfriend MJ, my dead uncle Ben, and my fucking good looking Aunt May. Wait, think, what? Th- take away the backstory and just think about becoming the 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 superpowers of Superman. What or Superman, Spider Man? What would you do? Oh, okay. So the order of operations would be get bit by a radioactive spider. Yeah, exactly. Except these kids decided they were going to provoke a uh, nest of black widows and uh, get bit by black widow spider. Dude, that's like that's not good, dude. That's really bad. <laughs> what dude. the fuck? <laughs> the kids, the kids. At least they were kind of young, like eight, ten, and eleven. Like I can somewhat excuse it, but. <sighs> Come on. So, like, okay. Does this story have a happy ending? Is my next question. Yes, they're they are alive. They had to be. Uh, they brought them to like a regular uh-huh. doctor, and they realized they didn't have the anti venom. <laughs> they had to be like hello lifted. Here's the thing: a black widow bite, unless it's like near your chest or neck area, will not kill you. It can make you lose. It could make like your hand go completely paralyzed for the rest of your life, and you have to get it amputated. But it's not like a rattlesnake bite where if you aren't treated within a half hour, you die. My dad got bit by a black widow and he got bit on his hand and he didn't know it was a black widow at first. And then um, we saw his veins started turning black as it tries to race its way up to your heart. So we had to take him to the hospital and they're like, oh, it's a black widow bite. And they had to give him the anti-venom. He said it didn't hurt. didn't hurt that bad. He, he, He said getting bit by a wolf spider was worse than a black widow bite. The venom obviously I've, was more painful. I've never been bit by a spider, thank God. But I have. Uh, it, it doesn't it, feel good. I, I, I don't want to experience that. I'm good on that. As best I, I'll avoid that as best I can. Um, what do you guys think about um, Henry Cavill is going to be uh, returning to the role of Superman in the DCEU um, after it was rumored that he was out? I'm mm, okay with it. With it. Out of all the out of all the people that they had casted, um, besides Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, who was fantastic in her standalone movie, and the best part of Justice League, to be honest with you, um, Henry Cavill is a good Superman. The super, uh, Man of Steel movie suffered more from bad writing than bad acting. Same thing with say. Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, and I think I've said that from the beginning that Man of Steel was a poison pill because they changed the DNA of Superman. They gave him very poor writing to work with. They tried to turn Superman into Bruce Wayne, Batman. It doesn't work. It does it doesn't yeah. work like that. And I, and I like the movies still, but now it's not only is he returning, but it's um it's not going to be in any kind of movie. It's going to basically be he's going to be used like they used the Incredible Hulk in the MCU where he appears in movies randomly. He's not going to have a single Superman movie going forward for a while, at least, I guess. I don't, I mean, I guess that's okay to maybe reintroduce him. Um, I, there it is, uh, to reintroduce <laughs> him, but, uh, it's not necessarily something I, I again, I, I'm very much over DC Marvel, any of that stuff really. Um, but when it comes out to stream, I'll watch it. But it's not something I'm gonna flock to the theater for. Yeah, I think it's I mean, cool. I, I think I think besides again, him and Gal Gadot are the great. best thing DC I mean, has. I'm actually I'm very down for the the next Wonder Woman movie. That looks fucking awesome. The first one was good enough that I'm willing to see it. Um, it, it looks awesome. They're, they're, the movie that I'm most excited for now was uh, it was right after we finished recording last week. They dropped the new trailer for Christopher Nolan's next film, Tenant, and that looks bonkers. 
Looks ridiculous. Dude, he bought a real 747 jet just to crash it for this movie. That's awesome, he, dude. Because that, that's fuck money, dude. <laughs> he he real well. He realized it actually would have cost more to CGI it rather than crash it. Uh, so he was like, "Oh, I could just buy it." And uh, it it looks like he's actually saying it's going to be more of uh, mind bending than Inception was. And if you remember when Inception came out, everyone's like, "What the fuck did I just see?" <laughs> Yeah, I'm still trying to decide whether or not Leo was in a dream or if it's real or not, or if he's stuck there. I still don't know. Um, I think that, he's stuck there. That looks up. Don't let's not do this because we'll be here for another half hour. Uh, <laughs> that looks that looks ridiculous. And there was a teaser trailer a little over a year ago. I think we, I mentioned it briefly, but uh, another A24 film I'm very much excited for. The Green Knight yeah. looks phenomenal. And I'm, I just, I don't, I want to see that movie so bad. I just, I have no idea when it's coming out. 2021, um, maybe. From, from what I understand, um, it, not 2021. Uh, the best case scenario right now is a digital release in, in the fall. Um, if they can push it to a theatrical release, we're talking winter. Uh, okay. It kind of, it kind of feels like a winter movie to me, anyway. Uh, I think that might be best for it. You know, it just, it's also so much is going to hinge on when movie theaters are allowed to open back up. Of you course. know, they, um, just funny thing. We, I, I sent this in the group chat last week, but, um, and I thought it was a joke, but our local drive-in movie theater, the Warwick drive-in, they did a post last week that, um, you know, if you see the flyer about Jada Kiss's birthday bash happening here, it's not real. Someone made it up. If you come here to, for Jada Kiss's birthday, you're going to be turned away. And I was like, oh, it's so funny that someone made these fake banners about Jada Kiss's birthday and handed them out to the point that the drive-in had to issue a statement about it. But then it comes out that, yes, in fact, Jadakiss did have a birthday party at the Warwick Drive-In. Like, why? And, why? And the drive-in, the idiots they are, after telling everyone it wasn't happening, were the ones that posted the picture of it. And, and what, what, do they think they were trolling everyone? No, I just think that they probably have multiple people running their social media account. And it's also after they were saying that these are our um, social distancing guidelines. Cars have to be parked this far apart on their Facebook page. is a really cool drone shot of how far apart the cars are. Cars are looks like it's very comfortable for everyone. But then they post this picture and it's like an entourage of like 40 dudes all hanging out and like a, a big like camper. Listen, if that's a thing and they're staying away from everyone else, go Go for it. That's her thing. As long as they're isolated to themselves, I think you should be allowed if you paid the money for it. But why hide from it? Jadakiss had his birthday bash. At Warwick. Hey, why are why <laughs> Jadakiss of all fucking people? Like, such an irrelevant rapper now. The last – we had a subpar verse in a Ja Rule song 10 years dude, ago. I can't, I, can't even, I can't even tell you a single Jadakiss no, song. No, I was just going to say I can't name a single Jadakiss song. He, uh, Like I said, he was in that song New York with Fat Joe. Okay. Yep. Wasn't wasn't Jadakiss back that ass up? Wasn't that him? It's no, funny. that was Juvenile. Juvenile? Yeah, well, Juvenile. Actually, I, I think actually, uh, what's his name? Drew Locke was rapping Jadakiss put on for my city. That was that viral video of him rapping on the sideline. I'm almost positive that was Jadakiss. But I, either way... Who cares? All, all I know is when I, I told the, the landlord this Jadakiss thing, she goes, that man ain't Jadakiss. I was like, no, that's ludicrous, and that's Bob's favorite artist. If you go to Jadakiss on Apple Music, his top songs are all features. <laughs> uh, that makes It's like Young Boy Never Broke Again. <laughs> Literally. Okay, um, so that's the last thing I want to talk about real quick. Please, so yeah. 
Um, it was a good time. I got to see a bunch of uh, friends I haven't seen in a while. So it was a lot of fun. Um, but I had an issue with the music for the most part. Uh, I love my buddy Ryan to death. He's Great guy. Very, 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 very good dude. But some of the music they were listening to was just so dis- – it was so bad. And that's I'm why like, Bob can never say anything about the Beatles if he was allowing that shit to be played at his house. Now, to be fair, he wasn't – it wasn't up to him. He was just – he was just, you know, mingling. He was having a good time. I was more so being cunty about it because I'm, I'm like that sometimes. You I should just, be. Like, I just – I think I told I like you to, to – I think I told you to kick his ass. Yeah, you did. I, I, I did. And, 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 paint, and paint his nails. Oh, <laughs> I forgot about that. Not here. Uh, people, people don't forget. Let's wrap this up. This is episode. <laughs> this is episode uh, 104 of You Watch, I Listen. Uh, Taylor, Josh, uh, thank you. Uh, no thank you to Bob. Fuck you, Bob. Uh, go listen to Ludacris again, you jerk off. Uh, oh, God. Uh, oh, oh, that and is and funny. Then, um, c- congratulations to our friend Ken Boyle on uh, the announcement of his uh, his incoming child announced by, uh, oh, my goodness gracious, uh, uh, Susan was Waldman. Awesome. It was that really was cool. Awesome. Happy for you, I Ken. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see you guys next week. Peace. See you at another time. Later. Later. <laughs>